If we do the right things, the global population will stabilize, perhaps within the lifetimes of many people. This is the impression I gained from an international gathering of experts meeting together at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine for World Population Day 2010. First among them, I talked with John Cleland, who reported that family planning has been massively successful. So there's less of a global threat now than in the past. Well, in Asia and Latin America,、um, it's been a huge success story that the government-sponsored family planning programs have brought down fertility,、uh, population growth rates have declined, and all while the population of Asia and Latin America will grow by another 30 percent or so,、um, the end of the era of population growth is in sight. Contrast that with Africa, where fertility remains high, population growth remains extremely strong, and typical. African populations,、uh, countries are going to double in size in the next 40 years.、It's、quite contrast with Asia and Latin America. You've got some very clear statistics there. So, do you know what is causing these different effects? Yes, one of the major causes of fertility decline in Asia and Latin America is the strong commitment of governments to family planning, with very ample funding、um, from the United Nations and bilateral donors. In Africa, fertility remains high, partly because just as African governments were beginning to get interested in stabilising population growth,、uh, the whole topic of population family pl- planning became deeply unpopular, deeply unfashionable. It was eclipsed by a new threat to global health, namely HIV/AIDS, and thus most African governments haven't had any encouragement. To pursue their policy, their family planning programs, with any conviction. That's one reason why fertility remains high in Africa. Now, what sorts of numbers in different regions of the world are we talking about in terms of the actual total growth of population, and what sort of threat does this pose? Globally, we expect another two billion or so in the next 40 years, from, from nearly seven to a little over nine billion, over seven to, about seven today. Half that increase will come from Asia, but Asia is a huge fraction of the whole planet's population. The next biggest contributor to population increase is Africa, with about 0.9 billion increase. That is the doubling. So it's those two regions that will contribute most to population increase. Europe. Population is destined to decline somewhat. America's population will continue to grow largely through in-migration. What do you see as the big issues then that need to be addressed at the moment? The international community has to take population growth in Africa seriously again. They need to work in unison with African governments. They need to convince those African governments that the future is dire. Unless the population issue is addressed, so it's international funds combined with political commitment within African countries that is going to do the trick. But some countries are a success story. In fact, you've got declining populations in some regions of the world, haven't you? Yes. Well, even within Africa, there's a lot of diversity.、Uh, Kenya had a very successful family planning program in the 80s. And early 90s brought fertility down from eight births per woman down to five. Rwanda, in the last five years,、uh, under the leadership of its president, who's determined to do something about population growth, 
the contraceptive use has risen from 7% of married women to 20% in, in, in just a few years. It's quite an astonishing change. In both cases, it was, it was international help, but above all, political determination to address the issue. How do you sell this whole idea of better family planning, first of all to governments, but secondly to individual people, because after all they've got to use it? Taking individual couples, first of all, uh, and the arguments are universally true that if you have a small family, you can have a high-quality family. You can invest in them, you can educate them, clothe them, make sure they're healthy, and the argument is it's better to have two or three healthy, bright, educated children than six undernourished, ill-fed, ill-shod and poorly educated children. That has to be the future for us all, whether you're Nigerian, Kenyan, South African, Indian, Pakistani. You want to do good for your children, don't have too many. John Cleland, Professor of Medical Demography at the London School of Hygiene and his comments about the crucial role Africa will play in any future population strategy prompted me to talk with the Executive Director of the African Population and Health Research Centre in Nairobi, Kenya, Alex Eze. He addressed the issue of climate change in relation to population growth, and at the symposium I asked him first about a statistic he quoted that Africa's population could double to a staggering two billions in only 40 years. What is clear is that Africa will contribute a huge portion of the next growth of the world population from 2010 now to 2050. And within this period, the African population will more than double from close to a billion now to about uh, two billion. And the unfortunate part is that a lot of this growth is actually driven by unplanned and unwanted, unintended childbearing that is very high in a number of African countries. And if we can actually remove that and eliminate or met need for family planning programs, we can reduce that growth by a significant margin. Now, where does climate change come into this? Because we have also been hearing that Africa could be the greatest affected by climate change, but the least consulted and the least contributing to it. Yeah, uh, that's really the irony and the tragedy of current discourse on climate change is that Africa is going to be at the brunt of global warming, but it is the least contributor, but more importantly, the least consulted, as you said, uh, with respect to the current discourse on climate change. The issues are very complex and diverse. I think for Africa... Whereas we are, in, if you think about carbon emission, which is a major component of global warming, Africa contributes very little. But you look at all the other aspects in terms of the impact of population growth in Africa. You look at the increasing deforestation going on as a result of population pressure in a number of places. Look at the issue of movement of people because of internal conflicts and uh, con contested space for either grazing or farming or other use, uh, natural use of land. So there are a lot of areas and issues that has made uh, climate change a major problem and challenge for Africa. And there's another statistic that comes out of your presentation here this morning, and, and that is that of the 34 countries with the highest fertility rates, sub-Saharan Africa has 31 of those. Yes, there are 34 countries with a uh, total fertility rate of uh, five or more children per woman globally. 
and of all that 34 except East Timor and Afghanistan and Yemen the rest are in sub-Saharan Africa and actually if you look at those with uh, total fertility rate or uh, the average number of children per woman of six or more I think there might be about 11 of them and uh, 10 of them are in Africa the only one outside of Africa is East Timor so in essence the current high rates of childbearing globally it's it's predominant pre, uh, pre, uh, quite predominant in sub-Saharan Africa that's where you have very high levels of uh, uh, fertility rates currently. Now you've talked in particular about unintended pregnancies. How do you think this can be tackled? I think it's very easy. Uh, one is to make family planning services more accessible, more affordable to women who need it of all ages and of all socioeconomic or religious group and both in urban areas and rural areas and this can be done through effective uh, uh, strategy uh, put in place to strengthen the delivery of family planning services whether you look in terms of human resources or infrastructure ensuring uh, uh, security of commodities family planning commodities uh, there are different things that can be done but uh, if we do this I think we will be saving ourselves uh, a lot of the child, I mean, if you look at the investments in family planning, is the most cost-effective way to reduce the impact of uh, climate change on Africa because you will reduce the number of people that are affected. I think that's really one of the areas that we've not discussed about is that when you think about the impact of climate change in Africa, it is about the number of people that are impacted. As the population grows from a billion to two billion in the next 40 years, the number of people that will face severe effects of climate change will also more than actually double because the areas where that are most affected if you look at the Sahelian region is also some of the areas where you have the highest fertility and the highest stress of growth of the population What do you think needs to be done by Africa by other countries in, in the world which we're hearing here are very different With respect to dealing with the issue of uh, population growth in Africa I think African governments need to understand that the rate of growth of their population needs to be managed in a way that it is consistent with their development goals and plans. And that will mean, uh, in the first instance, ensuring that women have access to family planning programs, especially when they desire to do it. There is information available, there is uh, services, av- uh, services available and that should not be dependent on whether or not there are external funding. It needs to be part of the budget, it needs to be part of the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Finance budget that we want to support these programs as a national uh, initiative. Alex Eze from Nairobi. Paul Wilkinson also talked about population and climate change at the London Symposium, and I asked him how it is that fertility and climate change are linked. There are several ways in which those connections exist. In the first place, pure population number is a a major contributor to the, the rising trend of carbon dioxide emissions, which underpins climate change itself. But of course, more importantly, growing populations and trends of such things as urbanisation can put pressure on local resources, uh, on the environment, natural habitats, which exacerbate the sorts of changes which we can expect under climate change. What did you make of the vast difference between different regions of the world in the way the population is changing? Well, we know that the regions are very different and that means that the patterns of impact are likely to be correspondingly very varied. And the pressures, of course, will be where there's a combination of population growth in high-intensity populations already, 
coupled with environmental pressures. And those are scattered around the world, but particularly occur, of course, in sub-Saharan Africa, um, places in Asia and South America. The situation in Asia and sub-Saharan Africa are very different, though. Can you explain fundamentally what are the differences between those two regions? Sub-Saharan Africa, the population growth, I think, is predicted to be very large over this century. Incomes are already very low, and environmental pressures are quite high. In, in much of Asia, the context is of, as you know, r- rapid industrialization and, uh, and population growth. They have a lot of a very high population density in certain parts. Fertility is a little bit more uh, leveling off, and uh, it's a different sort of impact on populations that, or the connection between climate and, and population impact. We've been hearing then that um, Asia and sub-Saharan Africa are areas that it really is important to take action on. Mm -hmm. How impressed are you by the fact you've been hearing so far uh, of whether that action could be effective? Well, we know that, uh, for example, in relation to family planning, that itself has benefits to health because uh, increasing birth intervals helps both with maternal and child mortality and morbidity. So there are very good rationales for trying to improve access to family planning facilities everywhere. If that is done, then uh, the the feed-through effects on population should be beneficial to the health of the population in general, but in particular in relation to other environmental influences such as climate change. Are you optimistic, though, about the the chances of places like sub-Saharan Africa uh, being able to help things to improve? Well, I think it's largely a matter of will, I think, and uh, of course things are never so easy in practice, but we know a great deal about what can be achieved through uh, improved family planning uh, facilities, services, and if it can be made a priority or further accentuated as a priority by international donors and others, then I think there is every reason to believe that it could benefit health uh, substantially. So what do you think we should all be doing about this? Well, I think we should be trying to act through the the variety of different agencies to make family planning uh, available to people uh, where access is poor at the moment. And uh, that includes large numbers of populations around the world, but particularly the two areas we've mentioned. Paul Wilkinson from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Offering real hope coming from these international scientists meeting at this population symposium that development goals can truly be achieved to bring a better future for all of us. For Audio News, I'm Peter Goodwin.